On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about how to deal with project timelines and decreased budgets. How do you make projects more efficient, optimize, and what are the keys to improving the outcome of programming projects? All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A state of control. A state of control, episode 63. Be fearless. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry leading technology backed by world class support. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control, programming, and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. Thanks for joining us today. So we have an informative show planned for you today with, I think, a lot of practical details. And we're going to be talking about how programmers and control pro- professionals respond to the pressures of projects. So with me to discuss this are a group of friends, and I can truly consider them friends, uh, that I've known for quite some time. And uh, first and foremost, I'll start off with the, the one and only. He is Rich Fergosa from Fergosa Design, my partner at a control, State of Control. How are you, Rich? I'm doing good. Mellow West Coast greetings. Uh, glad to be back in the saddle, and especially with this group of fine individuals. And so let, let's get right to them. Next, uh, welcome back, uh, Bernard Morgan from ICS Plus. He's uh, been a frequent contributor here at a State of Control. How are you, Bernard? Doing well. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. And last but not least, he hasn't been on in some time, but I'm sure you guys remember him. He's Mark Lavecchia from BMA Software Solutions. How are you, Mark? Good morning. Thank you, sir. And well, thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So I think that we could all agree that the pace of business and life and technology just in, in, gets increasingly faster. And it, almost every project, I believe, comes with a shorter time frame and and likely even a more uh, a, a, a more a reduced budget so everybody's really looking for ways to to optimize their projects and their time and and get more done to meet clients' needs and I think that is uh, particularly the case with programming and programming has i think a big influence on the overall project uh, in a v so rich. So uh, when you're looking at programming, programming's complex and has a lot of variables. How do you go about estimating the effort that goes into programming? And, and then, of course, effort then results in time frame. So how do you, how do you start there? I, I, well, that's kind of a, <laughs> that's a big one to start. How do you start? I, you, know, I, uh, I, you know, I say a couple of Hail Marys and, and then I, I jump right in. Uh, you know, a big part of it, really the past few years, what we've been focusing on is less of the actual programming part. I think that any control system programming company, any third party, any in-house, the coding part, you're going to get down. I mean, you're, you're, and typically you're going to be doing it offsite anyway. You're not going to be, you know, just showing up and going, you're, you're going to be working on a project and you're going to have an idea of how long it takes to perform certain tasks. That part is a little bit more controllable, a little bit more definable. 
where the X factor is and, and where you run into the issues is the communication side, the coordination side, working with the other teams. And what we've started factoring now in is what are going to be the appropriate tools, the appropriate communication tools that we use for our company to collaborate with all of the other associated trades. And that's been something that, you know, we've been really happy about, um, especially over the past couple of years. And, and with, uh, uh, with, with a lot of the communication programs that are out there, you know, not necessarily one over the other. There's lots of software options to, to work with. But what we focused on lately is, okay, where is this consolidated package that we can find ways to get everybody on the same page quickly? Um, you know, no longer, you know, and everybody's gone through this, you know, how do you avoid the 50 email reply all chain where the actual item that needed to be dealt with was buried 42 emails down um you know in the responses and and then all of a sudden you're moving around and 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 you're cycling through so uh you know from from a planning standpoint i think that established companies are are finding that with a consolidation let's say in commercial you know you've got x number of players who are in the market you know what you're going to be dealing with um, in terms of how rooms are laid out, or whether you're room combining, whether you've got a huddle space, whether you've got uh, a boardroom space, uh, you know, a multi-purpose space, there's, there's going to be form factors that you're dealing with or types, archetypes that you're dealing with. And, uh, you know, I, I think at this point, everybody's got an idea roughly of how to be able to deploy and hopefully reuse their code in, in an efficient manner and, and be able to factor that. Where everybody always gets bit is okay. That's great. We, you know, it's like what Mike Mike Tyson said. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? That is this industry, right? You walk on site. First thing that happens is something punches you in the mouth. That's where the the market of companies come in, into play. And for us, it's been uh, communication standards that we've been focusing on as of late. So, so Bernard, uh, following up on what Rich said, where from from your perspective being somebody who has to kind of ride both sides of the fence, the technical side and, and, and the project side as Rich does. And um, would you feel that more of the challenges are, are on the, the, uh, the project management side, the communication side as Rich did, or do you feel like the, the technical side is, is really where, where the focus needs to be to, to, be, to, to create uh, a, more efficiencies? Well, I think if you asked this question 10 years ago, I think you would say 90 or 80% of it would be on the technical side, right? And I think if you ask that question today, I think the number is now, yeah, there's still a technical component, but now the project management and the coordination and the what we don't know what's going to happen has increased quite a bit because it seems like the time, I call it the Amazon syndrome that, you know, you here comes an order. It needs to be done in two days, right? Because you can get an Amazon delivery prime in two days. That the, 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 the time that it's due to these projects has increased, decreased substantially, which has put a huge burden on project management, coordination, and, and communication. So now not only are you dealing with the technical component, but now you have to deal with uh, coordination that used to have, I don't know, four or five weeks to do a project. Now you may have two or three or maybe one to two. And now to do to line everything up to be coordinated, prepped, make sure that everyone is ready to go when we go on site, that level of coordination has now taken off because now the time frame has decreased on a project substantially. So, so Mark, uh, I know you and I have talked about this a bit, and 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 
in in your role you 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 kind of play the part of of making sure that your your team is in the right place at the right time and has all the information and but but a lot less focus on on the project side you know kind of, a lot less less focus on the technical side excuse me yeah. um, but and and more on the project side as bernard said you know the everybody's looking for stuff faster how do you how do you really respond to that I think that depending on what your company does, you're going to get a couple of different answers on that. Um, we're a programming company, and I've said this a million times to everybody that I'm looking at right now, which is uh, programmers are different than pretty much anybody else in our business uh, because they need two things very, very badly. They need their head, their brain, their right, and they need their hands. And if you wipe out either one of those, it kind of makes it hard for them to do their job. And we've seen, you know, after years at Crestron, I've seen programmers, you know, huddle under a desk in a fetal position because they've been overworked. Uh, they've been given projects that they probably shouldn't have been doing over their head, that type of thing. So what is, what's the point of that? The point is uh, we start with, can we do it in a time frame that makes sense? Uh, somebody comes to us and says, we have this project, we need it done real quickly. If we're going in next week, what can we do? Oh, we evaluate projects. We do it from threefold position, okay? We, we call it internally, we call it the TMC principle, right? And the, the T is for time, right? We need time to get this done properly. When you are in a project that's being rushed, you're already behind the eight ball. I don't care who you are. When you're rushed, you're asking for trouble. So the T is the time. M is margin. Oh, we just need to make money because not for nothing, but we're not a bank. And third, the C is for competency. And, and the competency means who am I working with on this project? And are they going to do a competent, clean install? Because the best program in the world, no matter how well it's written and tested, will not work on a crappy installation. Okay? So we need those three things. And if the, if the project fits those three criteria, then we, from our position, say yes. But if they don't, we say no, uh, which is not the answer I think a lot of people want to hear. But in the end, I'm going to win and lose your business a couple of ways. I'm going, to, I'm going to lose it two ways. I'm going to tell you, yes, I can do it when I know that I can't do it well and I try to squeeze it in. Or I could tell you, no, I can't do it because your schedule isn't working. The components aren't right. Everything's a mess. Uh, we're, we're going to take a pass on this. Of those two options, I can recover from one of them. If I take a job that I know is going to fail and I take it for the sake of anything, I need the cash flow or whatever it is, and we screw it up, we're done. So we err on the side of caution. If the project doesn't make sense from those three components, then how fast you need it is irrelevant to us because we're just not going to do it. I know that's not the answer. That we're, we're trying to think of efficiency of code and stuff, but for us, I need my programmers. I live and die without my programmers. If I break one, you don't just get another one. You, they're just not, they don't grow on trees. They're the hardest person to find in our business as far as I'm concerned. So, so and I think the thing to add on to that, I was going to add on to that. I think the interesting thing is when we take on a project, what Mark said is that here's the initial project. Here's the initial Gantt chart. Here's the initial, the initial milestones. And from that point there, okay, we're good. It's now when everything starts shifting and moving, that's when the project management piece kicks up considerably. Well, and to go back to what Rich was saying earlier is uh, at this point that your friend, if you're bringing a job in, okay, and now everything's going and now things are starting to go sideways, this is where communication is the key. 
And it's really important that you have somebody that's at the, the, the tip of that spear that's deriving that information. Like Richie said, I can't tell you how many times I get an, on an email trail that's completely and totally irrelevant uh, to the project itself. It's just that somebody saw it and it was relevant there, so they responded to everybody. There's got to be that communication of this is where we are, this is what's going on ahead of time before we get to the site and find out. That's not the time to find out the information. I'd add one thing too, and Bernard kind of brought it up lightly, was 10 years ago from the technical side, we had a lot more direct connections to the devices. And we sometimes don't necessarily um, reference the fact that the way we control things has radically changed in, in even the last five years, you know, and all four of us at one point or another, I think even Mark could talk about saying that they had to sit there and solder a DB9 connector. All right. I personally had to sit there and solder a VGA connector, all 25 pins, you know, and, you know, terminating, you know, mini RGB cables. I mean, there was just, you know, it was the Wild West. And I, you know, I, I do not look at it nostalgically anymore. <laughs> I think about it and go, what a mess were we dealing with? Analog required a completely different level of technical acumen. You know, you needed to have the technical side, the programming side, the engineering side, the physics side, and even the manual dexterity. I mean, you know, I mean, there was a whole lot of other things that you had to deal with. Um, in a project that required the person that was there, the programmer was there to hopefully be the smartest guy in the room because they were the one who was going to be pulling everything together. Now, um, pretty much across every project, you have to be really, really good at collaboration because now you're dealing with transmission systems that you're not in control of. Uh, you know, I mean, now you're dealing with the fact that you may have everything you need in your program written correctly, but if the multicast isn't built correctly across the networks and they're not traversing correctly, if your endpoints aren't on the same IP range that they need to be. I mean, all of these things that 10 years ago, you'd, you'd go, wow, this would be great if we could just literally plug in one wire and be done. I mean, we, we are, we've, we've talked about it, about convergence and all of these things, but we are seeing it now. And it's caused a very significant shift in, in each company's outlook, at least I believe. Um, in terms of saying, I mean, you, you now more than, than ever, um, you know, don't necessarily have to be the smartest guy in the room. It still helps, um, but you've got to be the one that's able to gel with everybody and be able to quickly pivot and, and be a lot more diplomatic. I mean, in the old days, you know, I, I know the programmers we were, you know, sometimes referred to as the prima donnas, you know, you're like the closer in baseball, right? You're here to get things done, you know, the cooler. Um, now it's, you know, you got to play with all the other kids in the sandbox and do it well, because if you don't, and, and, go ahead, Bernard. And that's where this whole project management communication piece is now an exponential factor than what it was 10 years ago, because now half the time on these systems, that's not inside of everything used to be in a closed ecosystem, right? And now the coordination and the communication now could be someone that's not even part of the company. It could be, hey, you got to get on this guy's enterprise network. That's another division of another division. And all that coordination to get this gentleman on the phone, to bring this database up, the amount of coordination that has to happen on projects now is so much more because of the fact that it's no longer on. And as Uncle Richie says, 
an analog system. It, yeah, some days I miss the analog systems because at least you knew what you had and you knew how to debug it. Now it's, you could just be shooting into space and you not even know you're shooting into space. So a couple of things that I picked up on and, and, um, and, and Rich, maybe you, you, you can kind of go a little bit into this further is that, you know, the, although the analog had its own set of technical challenges and, and very, um, and, and required certain talented people to do it, the, that's, that may have gone away and made, and been made easier. So are we saying now that, that that the systems require a different skill set of people, or do we or are we saying that that maybe we've taken some of these talented people out of the mix that are that no longer are are contributing to the overall success of the project? I think the troubleshooting is troubleshooting. I think that any successful programming company will make their bones on their ability to troubleshoot. Um, you know, again, we we build the systems in a best case scenario always. We then get to the site and then we adapt and, and we figure out what's going on to be able to actually deploy. And in the analog days, it, it came down to knowing the physics of an analog signal, knowing, you know, how um, RFI happened, you know, how grounding issues happened, how you dealt with all of this, you know, what happened when you finished and you got everything connected and all of a sudden you see a 60 cycle hum going through the display. That was a real thing. <laughs> you know, 15 years ago, um, you know, that was, uh, you know, the heartache was real on that. Now it's, it's a matter, it's, it's not a replacement, it's a refinement. Now you have to be able to deal with it, at least on a cursory level, understand how a packet gets from point A to point B. You don't necessarily have to know every intrinsic part of it, but you got to have at least a basic understanding of, of at least being able to communicate to say, hey, we're having an issue. We believe it's X, Y, Z. And uh, that then goes back into collaboration and being able to effectively present yourself as a solution provider and not the problem. And, and that's where it's always the issue when you're dealing with outside parties and you're dealing with, you know, the IT manager, you're dealing with, you know, like Bernard said, you're dealing with a division of a division. I mean, we have it where you know we have some companies that we deal with that in order for us to connect from point A to point B, we had to go through three different servers in three different geographic locations, managed by three different teams. <laughs> um, you know, literally just to be able to say, "Hey, I want to be able to change this so that the icon that had Bert now has Ernie on it." Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, we spent far more time just figuring out how to do it than actually doing it. Um, and, and it's a good thing. I, you know, I think that it is a maturation, you know, we're, we're maturing as an industry. Um, and we need to stick with figuring out how to operate and, and commercials way far ahead of residential in that respect still. I mean, and I'll say that, I mean, I've been dealing in residential coming on 30 years and I'm great. I'm very glad to see that even that's starting to mature. Uh, but commercials just had a lot longer to do it and, and lot, much larger use cases to be able to do it. Uh, but at this point, yeah, I mean, and, and especially now when you have the manufacturers, you know, again, no programming required, that's great. And that's a wonderful concept for fast deployment, the Amazon version that Bernard was talking about. But at the same time, you still got to know what you're doing. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's preventing, you know, ready fire aim. And, and, and that's, you know, a good company is going to be able to work around that. 
Mark, I'll, I'll bring you into the conversation. And you know, we're, when we're talking about doing all this extra communication and and the software tools that Rich said and and project management. You know, programmers have used to being kind of you know uh, on on the uh, like the end of the line rather than you know be, being either you know commonly say we want to be brought to the table earlier and and have more of a say, but but traditionally programmers are thought of as here here's this project and and go. Um, is that going to change in order to 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 really make this happen and and and. You know, how, how do you approach projects differently? I guess is the question because these are all great things, but they're not, but many of them are are not programming. Well, they're not, and and I think that it starts with uh, an old premise that I was given when I used to make presentations, and it was a very simple premise that I'm sure I've discussed with you, which is when you're going to make a presentation to somebody, you start it off, you tell them what you're going to tell them, you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them and then you close the presentation. Those three very basic steps, okay? And those three steps carry into what we do. I have a control system. I have this, uh, we're doing an enterprise customer. They got 50 rooms. How do they want the rooms to operate? We need to know what's going to happen here, and we need to make sure that the people who are involved in that decision-making process are the same people who are going to be at the end of that, that closing process. Because what we see oftentimes is we start a project with one group, whether it's at the integrator or even at the end user, there, a lot of the enterprise end users have groups, AV groups, that come in and put the systems together, and, and they're in charge of getting it deployed for this building. And we work with them and the integrator, and we develop all that, we get it done, we go through, we commission, and we get it done, and then they introduce it to the people who are now going to use the system, and they don't number one, have any idea how to use it. And number two, they're not particularly fond of the way that it works and they want to start changing some things. And these are the enterprise customers I'm talking about, right? the, the big 500s and so forth. So it's key for us to make sure that when we tell them what we're going to tell them, we make sure that all the right parties are there. Then we tell them, which is we commission, we, we write the code, we bring it out and we get it done. And then we tell them what we told them and we make sure that at the end of this thing, the right people are there who understand and know the system, integrator and end user. If you miss that, that costs everybody so much time, money, and energy because you now have to go all the way back to the beginning and explain how you got to where you are. And it's a very painful process. And so th that's a very simple thing to do. I don't care if it was 20 years ago or 20 minutes ago, those basic steps need to be a priority for anybody who's getting involved in this thing because that's where it all goes away. That's why a lot of integrators we deal with have, uh, Richie brought up the word, we're the closers. Actually, a lot of integrators we deal with now have added a closer to their project to come in at the end. They've been there in the beginning. They know everything that's going on. Their job is to close this job out button by button, cable by cable, connection by connection, all the way to the end and make sure that somebody says we're good and we're signed off because that part gets lost as well. Um, so I, I think it's really, again, plan your work, work your plan. It's just that simple. It's the problem is a lot of people don't do it because they're too busy, too quick, too you know, hungry. So Bernard, when it comes to looking at, 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 at people on your team, um, is, it, is, is this new demand changing the way you approach that, whether it's programmers need to have 
different set of skills or the team needs to have other people to supplement the programmers, uh, you know, to balance, let's say, the the the, the programmer skills and 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 still and and be able to satisfy the the requirements of the projects and and be able to to respond, I guess, to to these new needs. I think it's two things there. I think one is communication is key. And we have to make sure anybody on the team is comfortable communicating to all parties, internally and externally, because I think as as you say, these project timelines tend to be decreasing. Also, the number of rooms that are in that timeline are increasing. So once again, you have a conundrum, which means more communication. So I think the first thing there is communication. And then I think that, oh, the second thing we look at in the team is the capability to work collaboratively as a, as a group, as a team, instead of a, a single person. Because it used to be you put one programmer on a job, no matter what the job is, if it's one room or 50 rooms, they cradle to grave it. I don't think that mentality is in place anymore. I think having a group that can work as a team, say, hey, let's divide this, you do the user interface. I'll do the code or, hey, I'll take these three rooms and you take these three rooms, but here's the look and feel and the function that we're going for. I think the chemistry of the team being able to work as a group, not as an individual, with the communications is what's going to be able to make a successful team to deploy these projects with the decreasing timelines. Uh, Steve, let me add one little addition to that, which is one of the ways we've been able to be more efficient is because of the new the way the processors are built now i can have somebody that's doing video and i can have somebody that's doing the audio portion and we just put those on different slots right and what that allows us to do is have that internal collaboration where everybody's familiar with the project which is key moving forward because if something comes up and the person that was the manager of the project is not available somebody else down the chain is familiar with it and can give a better and faster process to it but that that part of the programming is very different for us over the last few years and but has been very effective for us when we're dealing with enterprise customers because we can just divide the system so we're not overworking everybody they communicate they work together and then we bring it in and push it out and it has a higher success rate I, I would agree with that and I think that that's more along the lines of how software is developed in in, in other applications is that it, you know it, it's divided up into components and everybody then comes together to, to build the final product. Um, so Rich, you know, the, if we're, if we're looking at, you know, the overall outcome of a project and, and, you know, the, and what the, the programming aspect means, um, is it becoming more, is programming becoming more influential over what, what, the you know how how a project goes and 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 obviously I know it depends on the project but 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 to to be able to to create these efficiencies and are our programmers getting a, a more of a voice and and is there a uh, is is there more impact on on that that outcome to be able to make quicker timelines and 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 bring down costs? No. <laughs> no. Um, I I have a. Pretty much a running theme with with uh, you know I, I I kind of bridge the gap between residential and, and commercial and and honestly the conversation that I always have when I'm dealing with the principals of the company if it's maybe a new relationship is is that you know honestly my role is to get to a point where you guys take me for granted and that the only time that we're wind up having a conversation is when you think that I may have not done something correctly. Um, 
programming has been and probably will always be, you know, kind of the, the thankless effort um, of it. It's, you know, it's just like anything else is that people will only chirp up when something isn't going the way they want it to. Um, and that's a good thing. You know, I mean, I think that this part of your professional pride should be that you should be taken for granted or somebody looks at what you did and went, oh, that's it you know, quote, unquote, um, that's the whole point. You know, our, our I, I've talked many times about, you know, we've always talked about our, our principles of automation. And, you know, I always bring up the example of a light switch. I'm like, a light switch doesn't need an instruction manual, right? It's ubiquitous. You can tell just by looking at it what it's supposed to do, hopefully. Most people intrinsically know <laughs> that something is going to happen with the light switch. That's the approach of, you know, let's just say use good programming. You know, let's just use kind of the entire umbrella of programming. That falls under user experience, uh, user interface, um, you know, the psychovisual, the psychoacoustic. I mean, all, all of the human elements of it. And a good programming company will learn if they're going to be successful, how to identify patterns. And this is, a, Mark basically just said the same thing, right? Identify patterns, reduce the friction lines, you know, say what you do, do what you say, say what you did, right? Identify, deploy, push through. Um, and at that point, and it, it comes back to listening, you know? And, and I can't tell you how many times I, and, and again, I, I relish when I get a new crew. I'm, I'm kind of the guy that, you know, when an integrator comes to me and says, guys are really booked, we've got, you know, basically the rookie, we've got our, our, you know, our, our double A affiliate coming up. I'm like, give them to me. If for no other reason, we're going to be able to sit and say, here is a process for you to learn. Not the best place to always do it, but if we're going to do it, we're going to maximize this. It, it, it's an opportunity to, for programming companies. Again, if you want to, you know, it comes back to how do you get more valuable, right? You become valuable you become a asset to the team. A lot of times, like all four of our companies, we're an outside asset, you know, right? It, again, we're, we're literally the closers. We're the guys that are coming, you know, and it's just like, hey, I'm bringing in the guy, right? And we get to walk in with our own walk-up music and everything else. And I mean, that's what our companies do, you know? And I know that guys that are watching or listening or anything else, those are the companies they want to be. We, you know, we've got the luxury of longevity, um, and our longevity is because I know personally, I have blown up every system, every way imaginable over my career. I have messed it up every way possible, you know, and, and at this point now, we've got that tribal knowledge that we're passing on. So, um, you know, how programmers are going to be more valuable. Um, and, and again, it doesn't matter whether you're social or antisocial and whether you're the guy that just gets put in with the laptop and the headphones on and you go through. That's great. Um, but there is a point now that as a company, as, as a representative, as a team member, um, it, it is becoming more and more a matter of, it, it was like Mark was saying, say what you do, but say in a way that it's understood and then listen. And then if you need to break it down in a way that it's understood better. Uh, I, I would add, to, I'm sorry, Richie. Go ahead. Um, I, I, I would, one of the things I would add to this is, if we're doing that from a perspective of look, this is if you're if this is what you want to do, here's a way to we could do a podcast on this one day, right? Young programming firms, what can we help to pass along? Uh, and one of those things is to be 
uh, fearless. And what I mean by that is uh, you, you, a lot of times the small, we call them the single shingles, right? It's a programmer in our business that's just a person by themselves. That's it. And they have a laptop and a phone. They put up a sign. They get their CSP authorization and away they go. And those single shingles are fearful because if they don't get the job, then they're not going to have any money. And, and so what Richie's talking about is you have to be fearless when you go to the customer and say, this is what I want to do for you. And these are the things that I'm going to need from you, this information, in order for us to be successful. And if you're fearful, you're going to maybe not bring that up because the integrator may not want to go down that road. They're like, look, I just need to get the job done. Okay, that's it. I don't give a crap about your process. I don't give a crap about anything. I got eight people yelling at me. And if I don't have this room turned over by tomorrow, then we're going to liquidation damages. At that point, you need to be fearful and run away because that's not anybody who's putting you in a position to be able to be successful. But you've got to be fearless. and You've got to go in and pose the questions to get the answers so everybody understands what your role is right now to add that value to what you do, but to make sure that you're doing what you want to do as opposed to what you think you have to do so you can get a check this week and, and pay your bills. Well, I think one thing we have to keep in mind as programmers, there's a yin and yang here because everybody keeps on saying technology's giving us new tools to make things be easier. Processors are getting faster. Technology's getting better. The hardware's getting easier to do. But I think there's a yin and yang that we have to take away from this as programmers as well, that there's a there's a as processes and technology gets easier, the expectation continues to rise. So it keeps on leveling itself out. So we always need to make sure that we always know that there's value there because even though this technology is getting better, the expectations continue to increase as well. And I think that's some way sometimes with the project management piece, we need to be cognizant of that. I, I, I agree. I, and honestly, I, it comes back to your fee structure. I mean, you see these memes all over the time, but one that did kind of stick with me the other day was, you know, if you fix something in 10 minutes, you didn't pay me for the 10 minutes that it took me to fix it. You took, you, you paid me for 20 years of experience to be able to get to that point. And sticking along with what Mark said, which is in being fearless, which I absolutely agree with, uh, is, is being confident in your abilities that that's why you were called there in the first place. Okay, but I want to disagree with something you said earlier for myself. This is just a, a business thing. When I get the call from somebody that says, hey, my guys are booked, I'm overwhelmed, I hear you're pretty good at this stuff, we need you to come in and do it, you see that as an opportunity, as do I. But what I find is that opportunity, more often than not, falls flat. And the reason that it does is because they are typically in a situation where they need something to be resolved quickly. They don't give a crap what you've got to think about your process. They know that it needs to get done. And so when I start that the same way, I feel like we should give back to our, our business, right? We should always represent. We always want to make sure that, that people have that good experience, whether you're the user or the integrator or whomever. But if we're trying to walk through what we consider to be the best way to approach what you're trying to do, and they're, you're kind of listening, but you're not. And you're like, well, I don't really care about that. I just need to get this done. That's a problem to me. And for me, that's where we walk away. I go, you know, you're, you're, you're going to 
keep having these problems until you fix this. And you must fix this if you want to get better at what you're doing. I would counter, though, with that. that if Ooh, you counter, walking, counter. Yeah. That if you keep walking away, you're still contributing to the problem. Now, as a business owner, you have to take a look at your margin and everything else in terms of service to the industry. And again, for me, it's, it's, for me, it's about service. I mean, it's everything that I've built my company about is the fact that, yeah, I, I will take, you know, I, 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 tell, I tell integrators I work with them, I'm like, find me your ugliest child. I will raise it as my own. It won't be pretty, you know, but this is what we're going to do because there is, and now we're a small company. We have the ability to pick and choose. Uh, you know, I interview who I work with as much as they interview me because it comes down to the relationship. And, and I think what you're talking about, Mark, is that there has to be a mutual respect between companies. Now, if you're dealing with somebody who doesn't respect your professionalism and your expertise and just sees you as a cog, Absolutely. That's a bad call. That's a company that's not going to be in business for long. That's the, that's the company I'm talking about. And when they and when they come to me and they're like, you know what, I just don't have time for this right now. I, I, I go to the website and I go, here's some single shingles for you. This is who you need. And then they'll call back inevitably months later. That was terrible. Well, okay, now you see what we were talking about. You needed the process and you didn't have it. You just needed to throw a body at the problem. And that's what you did. And that's what you got. So now can we talk? Because my rate just went up now that we've had this lesson and I have to go over it again. So Nobody I like the, the rate going up joke. Okay. <laughs> well, as you can see, we, we all have plenty to talk about and that's why we're all good friends. But unfortunately, I'm going to have to bring this one to a close and I'm sure we'll be able to continue this again in the, in the future. As we say with many of our episodes, the, the conversation never seems to end and that's a good thing. So uh, I would like to thank you guys for being part of this and, and I knew it was going to be a great show. First, I'll start with Bernard Morgan from ICS Plus. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about your company? Uh, basically, the website at icsplusonline.com. Wonderful. Uh, Mark Lavecchia from BMA Software Solutions. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, uh, follow your social uh, postings and, uh, and learn more about BMA. Yeah, ask around what I tell people. We're not a marketing company. You can go to bmasoftwaresolutions.com and find a phone number, but ask around. Our work is all referral and word of mouth. So that's where we're hiding in the bushes somewhere. And last but not least, uh, Uncle Richie, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about Fergosa Design? Uh, well, you can find us on our website, fergosadesign.com. Probably the best place is on the interwebs, on Twitter, uh, et cetera. Uh, most importantly, I will always say, the best place to find me is here on avnation.tv. We have our shows here, State of Control. We also have Resi Week and AV Week. Um, the best place that you could support me is by supporting us. Wonderful. And I, I will give uh, Richie gr good, great kudos for hosting uh, Resi Week a few episodes ago. You guys have to check that out. It's a great show. Uh, so as Rich said, please visit the website avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv to check out the show and all the other shows uh, while you're there. Also give some thanks to the supporters who make all these shows possible as well as help with all of that aviation does uh if you do uh like what you hear please reach out to us we'd like to hear from you we'd like love to receive some reviews but also get some feedback i, I know that there's more people that are saying that they're listening but we, we'd like to hear from them and like to know more about what 
the industry would like us to talk about. And we'll make sure that we bring that into future shows. So uh, for me, you could reach me at Steve Greenblatt at Steve Greenblatt, very simply uh, on social media platforms and my company Control Concepts at controlconcepts.net. But that'll be it for today for Estate of Control. Thank you for joining us.